Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arseholics podcast on a when Thursday, was Tuesday, Tuesday <laughs> evening. Uh, <laughs> it's weird because it's not the you know I, we've got into quite a good routine I think of recording every um, Sunday night, and obviously we had the final game of the season, which has just been on the Sunday. It's a bit of a later kickoff, so um, me and the rest of the Arseholics uh, carried on drinking for a little while. Got back late, couldn't record on the Sunday night. Say la vie. Uh, but um, and the last couple of days have been pretty busy for for all of us. But um, you've got two of us who did manage to make it here today. Mize is with me. All right, Mize. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. All good. Getting through the week. How about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Obviously, it's uh, it's the first time that we've not got a fixture to look forward to for for a week, two weeks. You know, it's it's the end of the season now, and um, I'm kind of I'm quite happy it's done. I'm 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 cool with it. With, with the fact that it's done i'm not necessarily t- completely cool with how it ended up but we can we can diagnose that in a bit um before we get into that guys i just wanted to again please remind everyone if you if you could if you could be so kind to like share sub- subscribe um we're so grateful when you do we've we're obviously not going to be doing the normal podcasts that we've been doing through the season by way of reviewing games there aren't going to be games to re- review for a little while but we have got uh, grand plans to continue recording at the same kind of cadence that we've been hopefully uh, every week hopefully we'll still get around to recording Sunday night there's still lots to talk about one of the things that we will do is do a, a proper end of season review we'll talk about the squad who we want to stay who we think we should should leave who where we think we need to sign we're not going to do that today a couple of reasons one it'd be better when there's uh, more of us on and obviously there's just the, the, the two of us here but we will probably, you know, give give a lot of time to talking about the things that need to be talked about. So we'll scatter that over a few episodes. There's obviously also lots that goes on over the summer in terms of transfers, uh, ins, outs, you name it. A lot of it is agent talk. A lot of it is nonsense. We will try our best to, to talk about those things because, you know, it is fun to talk about. But we, what we will probably avoid doing is is discussing anything that doesn't seem like it it's concrete. Um, well, I say concrete and anything that doesn't seem to be coming from a good source, but we will want to talk about it as the season goes on. So what we're going to do starting, sorry, as, as the summer goes on, sorry, what we're going to do starting from this week, we're just going to review some of the big stories that are in the news because there's a few things actually Arsenal related that have actually come, popped up today that seem, you know, good quotes from Arteta on Saliba, for example, and and, and some news from the likes of Ornstein about our, our plans for the summer. Uh, so we will start doing. We'll, we'll do that a bit later. But but first and foremost, we are going to reflect on on a final day of the Emirates, where where you know we all went into that game with look ninety nine percent sure that we weren't going to finish in the top four. But there was always a chance. There's always you know in theory Norwich could could win a game. They don't normally win games. They're not very good at all. But they were at home to to Spurs, and it you know I was there hoping. Wise, I was thinking, okay, you know what are all the reasons that that potentially Norwich could get a result. And one of them, I was thinking, well, it's the last time some of these guys are going to play, you know, a Premier League game. They may, some of those guys may never play a Premier League game again. Uh, that didn't really work out though, did it, mate? I mean, in the stands, we had hope for a little while, but soon, soon that dissipated, didn't it? Yeah, I think Spurs, Spurs scored quite early, didn't they? Pretty early in the first half. Um, yeah, it wasn't, as, it wasn't as early as it could have been. Yeah, so it kind of gave everyone hope for, I think, about 15, 20 minutes or so, right? And then it was just a carnage, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, you kind of hold on to that tiny, tiny little bit of hope. You kind of the the best scenario that I could see happening was something like a you know like an early Spurs or a Spurs red card while it was still nil nil, and 
you never know kind of what happens to the game from there or dodgy refereeing decision but yeah it wasn't to be um and I think you know we all prepared ourselves right we all prepared ourselves after the Newcastle game I think we all knew you know even the most ardent fan ardent Arsenal fan would would uh would have probably accepted our fate, um, our fifth place fate. So, you know, I don't think in terms of the, the the game on Sunday and, you know, how we how we were on the day in terms of just the mood around the ground. I mean, it was it was good. It was good. It was it was kind of obviously not as much of a celebration as we would have wanted it to be. Um, but in terms of just the general atmosphere, the mood around the place, um, you know, it helped that me and Nero had a lot to drink before the game so that oh I completely <laughs> forgot about that yeah, yeah, yeah. so so Mai's Mai's and Nero went for a bottomless brunch uh inspired by the bottomless brunch you know for our regular listeners do you remember the bottomless brunch that Mai's and I went to before the West Ham game in Stratford so you know obviously that was awesome and we both got tanked up but Mai's you know went went with Nero this time I couldn't make it and oh my god like you guys were wasted like well in fairness you didn't seem as bad but Nero was he was off his face wasn't he he was, yeah, we were on a good level. We got full value for money. I mean, it's a bottom, bottomless brunch, but um, I can't even remember the food, like uh, the food side of things too much. But yeah, we had a lot, had a number of rum and cokes. Um, Nero was trying to get the shots out towards the end and I was sort of like, no, mate, it's not happening because I uh, wanted to enjoy the game. I didn't want to wake up the next day feeling awful. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that, that kind of helped, I guess, just, you know, enjoying the day. And we had a few more when we got to the ground, when we met you guys, and obviously a few more at halftime and a few more after the game. So, um, yeah, but look. You the, know. We- the weather helped as well, didn't it? Like, yeah, everyone, yeah, it was glorious. You, you can sort of tell that everyone had been drinking because I, I do remember the concourse uh, just before kickoff. And it was, I think we were all quite pleasantly surprised with how raucous it was in, you know, in, in terms of chanting, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like you say, the atmosphere in general, it's been great this season. You know, there's been that real kind of shift um, to the 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 fans supporting the team um and getting behind this team and um you know i think i think i think the atmosphere that we saw on sunday was kind of like a, a bit of an appreciation like appreciation from the fans for the efforts from the players and from the manager for the, for the season that we've had um although we didn't get the kind of the prize at the end of it um i think there were still lots and lots and lots of positives to take from the season i think people had enough time between the newcastle game and the, the Everton game to kind of reflect on that and, and kind of just enjoy the day in the last home game of the season, you know, whether, even if we've had a terrible season, it tends to be, you know, in the sun, a nice day out um, and people do tend to enjoy themselves. So yeah, it, 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 it was good from, from that perspective. And Everton fans were having a great time as well, weren't they? It was, a, it was funny because obviously Everton stayed up. Uh, they knew that before they came into this game. So, so what, nothing zero to play for their fans have come for a day out in London Clearly, they've they've been getting tanked up in the sun as well, and it was hilarious, right? Through the game, clearly the Everton players didn't really care about the match, and you know, on that point, Mize and I aren't really going to go dissect the game in any in any level of detail because it's just pointless. But but what was funny is that you know their players were kind of on the beach, their fans were kind of having a good time, but their fans were also going through this roller coaster journey during the game of keeping an, an ear to the Liverpool and 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 Man City scores. And clearly they were tense, not because they because their team were getting trounced. They didn't care about that. It's because all of a sudden, at some point, it looked like Liverpool might win the league. And then when Man City started scoring goals, yeah. oh, it was hilarious. The, like the, um, the, the it was like they'd scored. Like, it was like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like it's like Everton had just scored a goal that 
you know, was like kind of season defining for them. You, I've probably, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it really. Yeah. Um, it was kind of, it was crazy. It was crazy. They were literally celebrating um, like they'd scored a goal in a very, very important game. So yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was really, really funny. It was funny. It was very funny and nice to see, to be honest. Obviously yeah, none of us wanted uh, Liverpool to win the league, did we say? So. No, no, exactly. I mean, look, uh, the quadruple would have been the most ridiculous achievement. It had been, it'd been, been amazing. And most of us, who live in London, uh, know a lot of Liverpool fans and that probably would have made it unbearable. Uh, so uh, so anyway, look, just a little bit about the game. No need, again, we're not going to dissect anything. There's not very little that you can really analyse from an end of season final game where, you know, what, what can you really analyse? But some of the things, well, one of the main things I think was, was questioning whether it was a farewell game to some players. We've talked throughout the season about there's a few players who are... Um, out of contract in in the summer, whether they'd stay, whether they'd go, particularly strikers. And Eddie, I think, you know, he would have started the game, whatever the case. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously deserved to be starting, but someone who, who, who hasn't been starting recently because of, you know, form or, or, or also because, you know, potentially he's been worked out the squad is Lacazette who came on, um, for, for 20 minutes or so, do you think it was his farewell, Mice? Did it feel like that to you? I think the um, scenes after the game made it feel like that. Um, like the, the lap of appreciation was a bit weird, if that's what it's called, because um, they didn't really do like a proper lap. I don't know if you noticed it. Normally, mm-hmm. from, my, from memory anyway, they normally, the players tend to kind of go around the pitch together and they do make the effort to kind of, almost cover all four sides and go along the touchline. And that didn't really happen. It was a bit of a half-hearted effort. But I think... Um, it was weird, wasn't it? It was, it was really weird. Yeah, yeah. But I think with Lacazette, like, I think he, I think he brought his kid... Did he bring his kids out, his family out? Um, I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say it felt like a farewell. And I guess Lacazette probably would have come on whenever he came on, you know, 10, 20 minutes to go... Know, in a game that didn't really mean anything, it, it, that substitution probably would have happened anyway. I, I don't know. But I guess, um, you know, uh, without going, I know we're going to talk about squad building in another episode and kind of what we think is going to happen with certain players. But I think with Lacazette, you know, for me, the, the, I, I personally think he's off. Yeah. I, th- I don't think they'll renew him. I think that um, although he might have been quite a handy player to have in the squad, I think what we've seen for the last, this season, um, this season, especially that period when you know he kind of got um, replaced in the team by Eddie, we saw we really, really saw his limitations, and we really, really saw um, you know the kind of lack of goal threat that he offered. And I think when you think about the kind of wages that he's on, we don't have Champions League football. Um, he probably wants to go. Like I'm not sure we would have offered him anywhere near what he's looking for. Probably wants a couple of years on his deal. I doubt we would have offered him that either. So I think, kind of, for all parties, it probably makes sense to, kind of, you know, end the relationship as it were. And um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a weird one with him, isn't it? Because when he arrived, he was like really highly rated in France. Obviously, um, you know, playing for a good team in Lyon. I think Atletico Madrid wanted him at the same time and have wanted him since for for, for a couple of years. I think they tried to get him off us as well. Obviously, paid good money for him. And um, he started off with a bang. He's got the, scored that goal against Leicester and everyone kind of thought, oh, this is our like striker saviour, kind of what we need now again, really, uh, this summer. And it obviously just sort of hasn't worked out, especially the last couple of years. Um, 
but yeah yeah I, I don't know i don't know how you feel about it i, I kind of feel like yeah the writing's on the wall with him to be honest and i, I can't see him staying yeah like i'm, I'm hesitant to do a, to a big kind of tribute spiel on him now right when when he might just renew his contract and be back next season anyway uh but I, I look. I echo everything you said. I think at the end of the day, he was a big sign. He, he cost a lot of money when we signed him. He cost fifty million quid, or you know, allegedly. I think it was undisclosed at the time, but around that time, and we've discussed this in the past, and I think we'll discuss it, you know, again when when it becomes clearer as to what what, what his contract situation is going to be, whether he gets renewed or whether we, we it's let's gets let go. But I think for that kind of money that we paid, you you want someone with more of a goals output, don't you? Um, but you know, for for me, I I, I I agree that it was a bit it was a bit funny because yes you're right him coming on when he did that could have happened in any situation you know it's got nothing to do potentially with his contract the the walk around the pitch was interesting because yes the all the play and that was that it was really weird I don't know whether that was a conscious decision from the players but there wasn't this big lap around the pitch but there were just a few players who chose to do that lap almost on their own or with their families and there wasn't really a pattern to it. It wasn't generally the players who you think might be leaving, but there was a little bit of that. But there was also, like for example, Aaron Ramsdale's kind of going around with his with his little kid. I had no idea he had a kid, but you know, he had, a, had this little kid that he's walking around with. Ben White sort of did it. Now with Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale, they're not leaving, so they're not they're not doing it, to, you know, for that reason. But another couple of players who did were Lacazette and um, Cedric. Cedric did it. And I kind of wondered in the same way that Cedric was doing it. Cedric had his child in his other half and was walking around. Was that a little bit of a farewell maybe? I mean, do you, do you think that was a farewell from it could, Cedric? It could well be. I mean, I mean, look, there's been no kind of links, right, with Cedric. We haven't heard anything, um, nothing reported in terms of clubs coming in for him. Um, I don't know. I think he's still got a year, two, le- two years left on his contract. So, you know, I guess um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still there. He's still with us next season. Um so I really, I, I honestly, I really, I really don't know. I think, I mean, look with Cedric, we all know that you know he's a bit of a he's a fair downgrade on um, on Tomiyasu. We know that we're looking at the Bologna fullback. Is it Hickey? Hickey? Hickley? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you say. It. Is it Hickey? Is that right? I think it's Hickey. Hickey. Okay. Yeah. I was, um, yeah. When I said it out loud, in my head, I thought it might be Hinky, but I think it is. When Hickey, I said yeah. it out loud, for, Aaron, is it Aaron Hickey? Aaron. Yeah. When I said it out loud for the first time, it sounded weird, so I thought I was saying it wrong. But uh, yeah. So you know, I guess it's one of those things. If for whatever reason someone comes in for Cedric, I can't imagine we'd be like dying to hold on to him. Um, but is anyone going to come in for him? I'm not sure. So I can imagine he'll still be he'll still be around. I think the other interesting one was Pepe. Obviously, with him changing his agent in the last couple of weeks. Um, similar kind of thing, you know, he had his family there, kids, I believe. Um, and he seems like one of the very, very likely ones to that, you know, we're basically just going to put up for sale and probably have to take a massive, massive loss on. There's loads of different opinions on this, isn't there in terms of, okay. So I think one, one opinion that is generally shared, I think most Arsenal fans would be okay with him going. I think most fans would, would, would be all right with it. I think the debate is how desperately do you try and get rid of him? So do you take a massive hit, which it sounds like we're probably going to have to do, you know, we're never going to get 70 million or whatever it is we allegedly paid for him. But there are some people sort of saying, well, if if we can't get, you know, even if we can't get bids for him, just got to loan him out, get him out until he finishes his contract. Just get, just get him out the picture. Almost it's, it's been that bad. 
What do you think? I mean, what's your your, your early view? Again, we'll go into squad building another day and, you know, et cetera. But it, has it got to the point where on the basis of his involvement this season, can you really see Arteta wanting to spend another season with him? Not really. Yeah, this season's been a real eye-opener, right? Like, um, he's he's just not featured at all. He's just not featured at all, pretty much. Um, and kind of the, the way he ended last season we all thought that this might be the season. You know, we've said this a couple of times with Pepe, this might be the season that he kind of explodes, but he's obviously either fallen out of favour with the manager or he's just not just not done it when he's been given the opportunity, whatever the reason is. I think the thing with Pepe, the thing, this is the thing, this is kind of like the conundrum for next season, right? With with now us, us now needing a much bigger squad and now having to juggle the Europa League and potentially having kind of two teams, as it were, like a cup team, and uh, Premier League team, at least for the initial stages of, you know, the League Cup um, and especially the Europa League, Pepe kind of falls into that category of a great player to have because he can come straight in. You know exactly when you're, you're going to get from him. He's probably going to tear it up in the Europa League group stage. I could, I could see him just kind of getting lots mm. of goals and assists, and that then it kind of then it kind of lends itself that that in itself means that he's probably on form when we do need to bring him in for Premier League games, if he needs to come in for, with 20, 30 minutes to go or get subbed on and we need something from a game, we need a bit of magic. And we've seen that from him in the past. It's just been the consistency and it's probably been like the, the confidence, which means that he's, you know, when he's not on song, when he's not confident, his form takes a big hit. Um, so that's an interesting one for for um, Arteta to work out. But like you say, I think if an offer, I don't know what the number would be, but if an offer of you know, whatever, whatever they're looking for comes in. And of course they're going to have to think about it. Um, and again, he's, he's must be on big wages. Um, and that's got to be a consideration as well, considering that we're obviously looking to bring in a number of players this summer. So yeah, it's an interesting one. I can see it. I could see him potentially being in the squad next season and being involved at the same time. He might look at it as well and think, you know, he's not getting proper game time anymore. He's kind of at his peak years. Was he 25, 26? I'm guessing. I don't actually know how old he is, but around that kind of age. He's, 20, he's 26. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's interesting, Miles. You know, I just thought about, I thought about, remember the beginning of last season. So the first game of last season was Fulham, right? Oh, we yeah. played we played Fulham. And the, the front four we went in with that game, if I recall correctly, was... Aubameyang, Lacazette, Willian and Pepe. Yeah. And we won that game 3-0. And I think that you know, there was a lot of buzz, I, I felt, you know, from our fan base as to that four. There was something about, you know, they had experience, they had, qual- they had quality, they had lots of different things about them. And it's amazing to think that it, now we, you know, it could be that within a two-year period, they've all gone. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Like all of them, it could very like it could. It's very conceivable that all four have just disappeared off the face of the earth, yeah. for you know, in terms of for Arsenal, yeah. it's crazy. Um, um, but but anyway, again, you know, we'll get onto the whole uh, uh, all of that another day. I, I I think that you know, let's just talk a little bit about how we feel, mate. Let's be kind of let's let's do a little bit of therapy here, because mm. just to conclude, you know, we. Yes, we kind of knew that we were going to finish fourth coming into the Sunday. Um, fifth. But it's, sorry, fifth. fifth. We, knew, we, we knew we were going to finish fifth. Yeah. Still, you're clearly, not clearly there's a bit of me. There's <laughs> a bit of me that doesn't want to accept it. Uh, but um, but how do you feel now? 
now it's now it's kind of done season's over like how do you feel um i think i think i yeah like like you say it, i've accepted it i've accepted kind of europa league next season it's still painful because of the way it happened and the fact that pretty much we we kind of gave i don't want to say gave fourth place up but yeah, I guess we did kind of give it up um, in a North London derby in a game that we didn't really show up to. Um, that's kind of probably the most painful thing about it. The Newcastle game was also really, really painful uh, for kind of different reasons. Um, but that North London derby kind of, that still stings when I think about it. It really does sting. And I think that's one of those, like, I don't know if you have many Spurs mates. I think you do. I do. Um, I've got like, my brother's a Spurs fan. And, you know, that's kind of one, them them overtaking us with three games to go is one thing. Them doing it by beating us in a North London derby comprehensively um, and us losing our heads in that game, or at least a couple of our players did, and really putting in a bad performance, you know, that is probably one that they're going to hold over us for a little while. And it def- that definitely, you know, every time I think about it, I'm just like, oh, I feel, I feel kind of sick about it. So, you know... But look, reflecting on the season as a whole, um, there's still so, so, so many positives to take. We've talked all season, right? Every time we've we've met up after a game, whether we've won or lost, um, and we've won a decent number of games this season, we the, the general theme has been, you know, like, oh, we didn't expect Ben White to kind of settle and do as well as he has. We didn't expect Ramsdale to take that number one shirt and kind of really make it his own. And okay, he's got his kind of... Um, He's got his kind of weaknesses that he still needs to develop. But despite that, you know, Leno hasn't really had a looking aside from when Ramsdale got an injury for a couple of games. You know, some of the other, you know, obviously the the the, the youngsters, Smith Rowe, Saka, all of these kind of positives that have kind of come through the season, along with the the kind of transformation of the club, I guess you could say, in terms of what Arteta's done with the squad with the, as we keep saying, you know, the fans that go to games, the atmosphere, the backing that they're giving the manager, the backing that they're giving the players, you know, all of the, you know, the, 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 av- uh, sorry, the youngest average team in the league, all of these things, there's lots and lots of things to kind of really be positive about. And I think, you know, probably might take me a week or two, but on, I think when I reflect on the whole season or the season as a whole, they're the things that I'll really kind of focus on. And, and I think, you know, there were a lot of there was a lot of talk about oh if this team gets Champions League you know they're gonna they're gonna be crap because they're obviously not good enough you know they're gonna they're not gonna and it and it, obviously that's just like why are people even saying this yeah. it's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life yeah. but but I think the thing that I'm quite excited about now is that. I would have loved to have been in the Champions League obviously right all of us would have been but let's be honest we would not have had a hope in hell of winning that competition, right? I mean, okay, fine. It's kind of like maybe there's a very, 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 very small chance if you kind of get lucky in the draw and you really get out of your group, get lucky in the draw and you maybe get to a quarterfinal, then who knows? Fine. But realistically, there's a number of teams in Europe that are better than us that will probably be better than us over two legs. Whereas in the Europa League, we're probably the favourites, if not one of the favourites. And that really excites me because already, literally the game finished on Sunday we were in the pub and we were like, should we book tickets to Budapest? Now, obviously that's not us being cocky because that's where the final is next up next season. That's not us being cocky. That's just, well, us, that's being, us being, 
that's plant that's 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 being smart <laughs> to say <save, laughs> to save some money potentially. But I think I think that's just us yeah. us you know sort of saying well you know I think if we don't get to the latter stages that's probably a failure. You know I can't really see yeah. any. I can't really see. I mean, okay, you don't know who's going to drop down from the Champions League, so potentially you could face a, a top team if they kind of falter in the Champions League. But yeah, yeah. you know what I mean, right? We 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 should be yeah. we should be getting to semi-finals minimum. You know, I would say, uh, yeah. And sort of that's that. So that's the thing that kind of excites me is we're now in a competition. And again, I'm taking the positives from it, right? Kind of silver lining. We're in a competition now where we have a good good chance of winning it if kind of things go to plan and we build the squad in the right way and. Um, the reward of obviously winning it, you know, we haven't, we're not, we're not mass, you know, we're not a massive team in Europe in terms of European trophies, you know, and that yeah. does matter. I think when you talk about kind of how big this club is, obviously we're a massive club, but we've never won the Champions League. We've won what, a Cup Winners' Cup, UEFA Cup and Affairs Cup. I could, I could be wrong on that, but you know, we have never dominated in Europe. So to kind of be in a competition, yeah, that we could potentially win and obviously then get through into the get to the Champions League that way. That really excites me. So again, I'm sort of taking, I will, and I am trying to take the positives from what has been overall a pretty positive season. Yeah, look, mate, I'm an optimist myself. And look, I agree with what you're saying. The stats sort of would would support our optimism in some ways. Look, I mean, this season, the amount of points that we ended up with would have been enough to finish third or fourth in the last few seasons, right? Yeah. So this is, this is also probably the best Arsenal team that, we've had recently going into a Europa League campaign. The teams that, you know, we've had to have played in the Europa League for the last however many seasons when when we were in them, obviously not last season, um, probably aren't as good as this team that we've got right now. And a couple of those teams got to the final and got to the semi-final. So yes, I know we 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 we've had that crap um you know being knocked out to Villarreal, being knocked out to Olympiacos kind of more recently. But I guess the point is this is we're a half decent team we're not a great team we've still got work to go but we will do business in in the summer we will that's not that's that's not a debate we will improve our squad in the summer our young squad are going to get that little bit older in a good way you know they're still going to be a young squad but they're going to be um a little bit further ahead the coach is going to have you know another has had you know more time with it. All these reasons give us optimism for um, you know I think thinking we're going to have a really nice Europa League campaign. So yeah, look obviously that to that to look forward to. And look similarly to you, I, I think that I, I it sucks being so close and and yet so far. Um, it does it does suck. I think just that feeling of the fact that we were many po- we you know, to think that when we went to White Hart Lane, if we had won that day, if we had won you know at Tottenham then it would have been over and we would have been fourth. And that feels a little while ago. And to think that, you know, it could have been all over at that point to then get dragged out to us, not kind of, you know, doing it in the end. It's tough. It's tough to swallow. The, one, one other thing that, you know, again, it's, um, it's a bit of trying to look at this optimistically, but it does feel like Arteta, Edu, the board have had this plan that, has been mapped out over a few years to sort of say, listen, like this is how we want to strengthen the squad over these years. This is what we want to try and achieve, etc. Now, had we finished in the top four and played in the Champions League, I'm sure everyone would have been delighted. But I wonder whether I wonder how far they would have accelerated their plans anyway. They may have tried a little bit, but is there an argument to say then you suddenly get into that territory where you kind of go, oh, hang on a minute, okay, 
do we really need to do, do we really need to kind of invest in certain areas or, or for certain players or extend certain people's contracts or whatever it is just because we've qualified this year when it might not necessarily have been kind of the right thing to do for us in a in a kind of midterm I say midterm I think you know over the over whatever plan they've got in place and and and, and again like again that might just sound like excuses it might sound like over optimism but again it does feel like they've had a plan so it does feel like whatever happened they they knew the sorts of players that they wanted to target this summer and it sounds like they're still going to go for them regardless it's not like all of a sudden there were players that we were going to go for that perhaps we're not going to go for anymore it sounds like the, you know we we've kind of got it mapped out and hopefully the summer should be unaffected but let's see anyway and like you know we'll we'll, we'll talk about that uh in more detail as the weeks go on but anyway it brings us to a transition in the episode we're going to talk about the news of the of of the week if you like there's actually been a really busy day in terms of arsenal news so literally in the middle of those technical difficulties checking our phones um something just flashed up which was hector bellerin on his future now uh we had talked a bit i don't know if we talked about on the podcast that much about it but we have talked when we've been at the games about about the 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 potential for hector bellerin to potentially come back and and into the squad as a as a backup right back you know, we know that there's question marks over Cedric. He might not be around, etc. Anyway, Tommy Asu has established himself as as a number one right back. Maybe there's a question of of whether Hector Bellerin could come come back and have a have a second life at Arsenal as a as a as a backup right back. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. The uh, the news right now is you know he's saying he, you know, there's quotes from Fabrizio Romano. I don't know where he gave the interview. Or I don't know if he gave it to Fabrizio, but he's saying. I've made my position clear to both Betis and Arsenal. I want to stay at Betis. Now we have two months to find the best solution. I made an effort to come here and I'm ready to make any effort to stay at Betis again. Hmm. So it's pretty clear, isn't it, Mice? Yeah. <laughs> Could yeah. be clear on that. How do, you, how do you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, we were talking about this, weren't we? I think last week or sometime about the possibility of Bellerin coming back. I mean, look, I guess he's obviously, you know, he's, he's obviously, um, you know, he's going back to to... Um, the country he was brought up in, I think I could be wrong in saying this, but wasn't his like dad? He's uh, yeah, I think he's a Betis, Betis fan. fan. Was it? Well. Or did he play yeah, for? Yeah. Ba- no, no uh, you might be right about that. But I think he himself, yeah, as a result, yeah, yeah. So there's some massive connection with Betis, and I remember he was on um, a few months ago. He was on, I think it was the Ian Wright podcast. I don't know if you heard it. Um, so it was, yeah, he, uh, Ian Wright did an interview with him, and it was just before or just after Betis had their derby with. Oh, whoever their local rival is. I can't remember who it is in La Liga. Um, but yeah, anyway, he, he's kind of like, you could just tell he'd just been like reinvigorated from his time at Betis. And, um, uh, you know, look, completely understandable, really. Um, it's kind of like what we were saying about a couple of other players that may or may not be going. You know, it's it's not just do, do Arsenal want to keep them or do Arsenal want to bring them back? It's what do they want to do? And, you know, it, it makes complete sense for him. He was kind of out of favour with us his time he'd been with us for so long and you know he obviously needed that that kind of fre- that fresh start or, or a change of scenery and yeah yeah no um fair play to him look i'm i'm very you know better is one of these players that all arsenal fans really really do love um and we've all got a bit of an affection for him so um yeah, they really so do. yeah I, I i'm happy you know i'm happy kind of if he if he's happy really and i, I hope it works out for him Completely agree, and he won the Copa del Rey, didn't they? Betis, yeah. they, they they won that. that. That would have felt really great for him. It's probably one of those. He's on a bit of a high. 
why not? You know, at the end of the day, if he comes back to Arsenal, he'd be a squad player. He knows that. And it's probably just 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 time for him to move on. And I think all parties happy. And I completely agree with you, Mice. So look, I think that draws a line under the uh, under the question as to whether we could use him in, uh, as a squad right back. Um, so yeah, I guess that's at least one thing that we potentially can, can move on. Look, obviously anything can happen. There could be a twist, but but doubt it. On the other end of the scale, some a player who has been used. This case has been used throughout this season throughout this season to knock Arteta with, you know, a lot of the Arteta outers have used this example. Um, the example of William Saliba, 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 whichever, William Saliba, the um, the example of him whereby we've signed this incredible talent. He's apparently one of the big, most talented centre-backs in, in, in European football. And it did look like he was going to be part of our, our squad at the beginning of the season. There was all kinds of talk about about us screwing up alone and and you know making a last des- minute decision as to whether to loan him out, it, you know, like yeah, I think I think that was that was last season, wasn't it? That that was kind of yeah. Was that am I getting yeah? So so you know, the, the, there's been this huge saga with with William Saliba and and how um, Arteta has managed him, but he's gone off on loan to Marseille, and during this time, every time he'd play well for Marseille. You're someone on Twitter. There'd be some people on Twitter, kind of saying, "I'll oh, see. Look how good he is. Arteta's, you know, stuffed this up, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. He's one player, young player of the year in France. Um, in that way, if you go send a young talent on loan somewhere and they end up racking up that amount of minutes and winning young player of the season in that respective league, I mean, that's that's amazing for their development. And Arteta has come out today, and he's basically said that he. he that Saliba is going to come back. He says, I want him back. He said, where's the effect of we sent him out to get experience and he's done that. And now he's ready to come play for Arsenal. So he's basically saying something that I think everyone who wanted to have faith thought that that must've always been the plan. And he's effectively said, you know, the subtext of what he's saying is, I don't know what everyone's so bloody worried about. I sent one of my youngest talents out on loan. He had a great loan. Now he's going to come back and play for us. And that was always the plan. I mean, a couple of things. How, how I mean, how, how do you feel about that, just generally? But also, secondary, do you think that he was always clear of this plan? And if he was always clear of this plan, as in if it was always the intention to send him out on loan for him to do well on loan and, and come back and play, why didn't he clarify this earlier? Arteta? Yeah. Um, okay, so on the last, that, that, that sort of the latter on the latter, I'm not sure he necessarily has like why I don't think he, he necessarily has to do that. Does he like, does he have There's to communicate? Point. He does, really I don't point. think he necessarily, I don't, I don't know why he'd, he'd feel obligated to tell the world what his plan is. Like he, you know, no manager kind of does not, not no manager does, but in a lot of scenarios and a lot of situations, managers kind of keep their cards close to their chest or they, they're always playing a game of poker. I mean, yeah, I don't. I'm not really that bothered in terms of if Arteta tells us kind of what his plans are for individual players or not, because it's it's you know it's basically up to him. I mean, I think the thing with Saliba is right. We paid a lot of money for him, but everyone seems to forget that he was what 18 when we bought him, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was a teenager. Yeah, and he's literally you know it's two or three years on, two years on, I think. So he's obviously only 20, 21. That's still ridiculously young for a centre back. Um, and 
the the loan move made complete sense. Obviously, um, it's fantastic that he's been a first team regular, and he's got all this additional experience that he would not have got staying at us. We didn't have European football this, uh, this season just gone. Um, he wouldn't have got many minutes. You could argue, oh, we could have done with him in those last few games when Gabriel and White were kind of, you know, our defense was sort of falling apart. But you know, that's either here nor there, really. I think the development that he would have got. Um, at Marseille is going to be so invaluable. I guess the thing, the thing that we never really knew was kind of what happened when he, when we signed him and I'm pretty sure he was signed. Was he signed under Emery or Arteta? He was Arteta, right? So, uh, I don't think he was, was Arteta, he Emery. Right? I think he was an Emery. Signed okay. Him. So maybe, did he go out on loan? Then he came back and then obviously Arteta was the manager then, and then something happened. And so, I mean, I can't remember. Yeah. I'm sort of trying to think back, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is it with Arteta, there's always this like, you know, his his man management has been called into question with a few players, right? And we're we're never gonna know the situations with like Gwendozi. Not that we're never gonna know of. I think everyone kind of knows roughly, but you know, Abamyang, Ozil to a certain extent, there's a few others where I guess, yeah, from the outside, it's quite easy to question um Arteta's man management. And I think Saliba we'll never know, but did something happen between him and Arteta or did he just turn up on day one and Arteta looked at him for a few few days and thought, he's not ready. He's not ready for Premier League football. I need to, you know, send him back and send him back somewhere where, you know, he's no point sending him to kind of League One in a country, you know, in a in a new country and he's such a young boy. Why not send him back to France? I don't I don't know what the thinking was, but but mm-hmm. for but for me um, you know, like, yeah, obviously he's extremely talented. So I'm pretty excited to have him back because he is literally like a new signing. Right. And yeah, I think the, I think the thing that worries me, not worries me, but the thing that everyone needs to be kind of mindful of is, yeah, like I say, his age, he's still pretty inexperienced. I know he's getting into the, I think he's getting into like the French squad now and obviously his profile's going up and all of that. And yeah, winning young player of the year in France, all of these things are fantastic and amazing. And it shows how kind of well he's developing, but Ultimately, at that age, 2021, to be a Premier League centre, like there are no 2021 year old Premier League centre backs. I don't, like, I can't think of any really. I think Fafan is the only. All oh, right, okay. So, you know, so that that who ironically was playing yeah, yeah, with yeah, him yeah, yeah, yeah. Together, right? So, so that should tell everyone, like that should give everyone an idea of what the expectation needs to be from this guy. And if he gets, exactly. you know, Europa League games and League Cup games, and he's just there in the squad, you know, he's just there in the squad, and it, and I guess a big thing about what we're building now is this kind of squad harmony and, you know, we've got rid of all of the bad eggs as it were. So, you know, building the squad harmony and him being part of that squad this season, hopefully that is something that I'm really, really looking forward to see. And if he doesn't play that much, that's, 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 it's not, that's fine in the sense it will be great for him to get as many minutes as possible, but you can't really like, I'd basically put it this way. I'd still say Rob Holding is third choice center back. Uh, Yeah. I'd probably say Rob Holding is still third choice center back this season. Unless someone else comes in. Wow, that's interesting. I wouldn't. I'd complete. I'd, I'd disagree really? with that. To be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, wow. Like I, I um. Like I, I, I firmly believe that you know, Saliba coming into the squad. Um, I, look, I agree. If we, we if, in the sense that I agree that he's not first choice. I, if you know, if you want day one of the Premier League, I imagine you know, Gabriel and Ben White would start. The thing is, I think one thing that we didn't do well this season was rotate, yeah. partly because we didn't have the players to rotate, but like we will we will have to rotate more next season. Um, and as a result, I, you know, I think 
that I I think he will get a shed load of games. And if we were to rank them, I I do actually think he'll end up getting more games than than holding. Okay. I, I I think that I think given the fact that he did rack up that many minutes in in France, did win Young Player of the Year, did get into the French squad. I think you probably have to assume that regardless of his age, he's he's ready. Like he's 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 uh he's ready to play Premier League football. And he's clearly got the ability. He's clearly got ingredients that Arteta would probably look for in a centre half over what you know Rob Holding has. Like Rob Holding is, you know, we've covered it this season. He's been that guy that we've brought on and whatever. So I think just in terms of that, in terms of someone who can do the things that he wants a centre back to do, I think that you know we'll probably see him get more minutes. We'll see. But um, but look, I'm delighted. I think what one thing that you said before that I completely agree with is. He literally will be like a new yeah. signing, right? It's it's literally that. So we've got a new centre back essentially joining the club. Who imagine if we did? Imagine if we did not have William Saliba. If he was not our player, if he was not our player, and next week we were linked with the young player of the year in League One, who's twenty one years old or whatever he is, you know, got into the France squad. We'd be we'd be going mental. We genuinely would be over the moon because that that is on paper, one of the biggest talents in Europe, right? We'd be over the fucking moon and and we've got him. So I'm bloody delighted about it. Um, I think it'd be great. It's quite, I was just going to say, Mano, the way to, looking at it like that is a, is a very good way of looking at it. I thought my dad dog might need to go to the toilet there, but he doesn't. Um, well, uh, did, did you just initially say I thought my dad, my dad might need to go to the here. toilet? <laughs> I don't live with my parents. <laughs> my dog. Um, what was I going to say? But is it quite interesting as well? So, so I was... Um, I can't remember where I saw this, but Gunner blog must might have been on one of the one of another podcast. But Gunner blog um, has been following Saliba like the kind of progress in France quite closely. He actually went to watch him at playing for Marseille a couple of months ago, and he was saying, I think it was this week or last week, he was saying that he expect he he basically wasn't 100 convinced that he was going to be coming back to the club. This was before obviously Arteta said what he said today. Um, and he he basically saying like his profiles raised so much, you know, being called into the France squad, he was he was basically like, you know, that's probably the worst thing that could have happened to, for art from an Arsenal perspective. There are lots of clubs tracking him. Arsenal would probably accept an offer of like thirty million plus, which I think is what we paid for him anyway. So it makes no sense at all. But obviously, look, he's quite in the know, as it were, um, and he tends to be pretty, you know, fair with these kinds of sort of assessments of things and. Um, yeah, I just thought that was quite interesting, really, because you know that's a little bit worrying if 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 there's any truth in that. But um, yeah, I guess we'll have. To I suppose a big a, a connected worry to that is one of the other. I think it was Le Grove who mess who who tweeted this, which I thought was a very sensible thing to say, which is that it you know probably the the Mbappe saga probably doesn't help for someone like Saliba, who's probably looking at it also and going if I really am in that high demand, if people do really rate me that highly, I should just run down my contract. Mm. So, you know, actually I'll stay with Arsenal. I'll stay. I'll just run it down. And then I will like, I'll go anywhere yeah. for ridiculous kind of wages and whatever. Look, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but look, whatever the case, no main thing is all kinds of news outlets, all kinds of whatever. were just saying that, you know, he, he, he wasn't he wasn't going to come back to Arsenal. Arteta seems convinced that he is. Let's see how it goes. But at least what's clear is the manager wants him at Arsenal. So that that that's a that's a big thing. Yeah. 
Um, look elsewhere, the, the, there was a number of kind of transfer rumors that sort of went down, came out today. When I say rumors, you know, from from good sources, so David Ornstein um, and and I've, I think James McNicholas as well. He, 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 he I think they did a joint article. Oh, so Gunner blog as well. Same guy. Yeah, yeah, they did the, they did the, the joint article on on uh, the Athletic, but um, David Ornstein also separately tweeted about it, effectively saying, firstly, Gabriel Jesus is still seemingly the number one target for us, and we still really want him as a you know as our number nine or one of two strikers rather, but he is definitely a big big target. Um, which I think is something that, you know, we've, we've assumed over the last couple of weeks. So that's not necessarily new information, but it's reaffirmed information, if you like. The uh, the interesting thing, which has probably developed slightly, is the Yuri Thielman. So the Yuri Thielman story is that Arsenal have been interested. That's been bubbling over a number of weeks. It's been, you know, alleged that we've been interested. But now I think everyone's going a little bit, a little one step further. So Ornstein and, and, and Fabrizio Romano, et cetera, they're all sort of saying... It's yeah. It's a he's a he's a priority player almost for Arsenal. We've been quoted around twenty five million or whatever. We think that twenty five million is a, a realistic figure. Uh, he's in in the last year of his contract, and um, and apparently the player is keen, and we've made direct contacts with his camp. So look, it sounds like it's a it's a genuine thing. It sounds like it's a player that clearly we we want. But before I ask your opinion on him. Someone there was someone else on Twitter who said something with I, I thought was very was was a very good point, which was that if you go back to this point last season and look at the players that we were strongly linked with, we didn't sign any of them. So it was people like Onana, you know, it was um, there's a couple Madison. of others. I'm sort of talking about Mad- Madison was one. There are others. There were some really obvious ones that, that I'm forget. Oh, Basuma. Yeah. You know, like those were the ones at that point we were really strongly linked with. And we didn't get any of them. So maybe there's there's something to be said there for like just being skeptical at this time of year because clubs are also just putting feelers out there. Some inter- and some are genuine. They're, they're genuinely putting feelers out at some clubs, but maybe just as a smoke screen because they're actually just trying to you know, go for other. I don't know. But with that in mind, you know, whatever. Assuming that Tielmans is a is a genuine target, we might be able to do him for twenty five million. What's your initial reaction to that? So when we were initially linked with him, I'll be honest, I was a little bit underwhelmed. Um, yeah. I, I think when he joined Leicester, he came. He was it's pretty young, obviously still quite young. He was, was a lot younger, and um, I think he came with a quite a big reputation. It was almost a case of wow, Leicester have kind of bagged this kind of highly rated um, young central midfielder, and I think he's been good for Leicester. Don't get me wrong, but um, he, I don't know. I feel like when you're looking at the kind of where he's going to fit into our midfield and who he's probably likely to replace, and I guess you could argue he's he, he's like is he coming in to basically take Xhaka's place, or is he coming in to kind of build the squad and there's some reshuffling that's going to happen? Or I, I don't know. I don't know. But I think if you go on the assumption that he's going to partner Partey partner party that's right um my worry my main worry with him and it's probably the same concern that a lot of people have got when you watch him is like just defensively i think he's not the most athletic he's not the fastest player he's not great defensively in general and i think you know yeah and like recovery so if we've lost the ball and the team need to get back i'm not sure he's i'm not sure he's necessarily you know that that's his strength and i think they're the sort of there's some of the similar 
um, kind of deficiencies that you associate with Xhaka as well. So I'm not sure he necessarily improves us in that aspect of the game. But I think when you've got the ball and if you're a possession-based team, um, yeah, he's de- he's definitely got a lot of quality. And look, his, one of his obvious qualities is, you know, his his ability to strike a ball and his long-range shooting, which gives you another dimension. But yeah, like he can spray the ball around. He's a good passer of, passer of the ball. Um, I think he's comfortable with both feet. So there's lots of kind of positives. And the thing, I mean, like I said, when I, when we were first linked with him, I was slightly underwhelmed. But the lesson I learned from last summer is whoever we buy or whoever we bring in, um, I, I'm sort of just going to reserve doesn't really help because we do a podcast, but I'm going to res- I'm going to reserve judgment until they put the shirt on and they play for us because you know we signed Aaron Ramsdale and I'm pretty pretty confident not a single Arsenal fan wanted us to sign Aaron Ramsdale, um, and now look how 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 yeah. the season went and kind of how happy people are with him, um, and that's just one example. Um, so so you know look obviously I'll completely back him if he if he is the if he is the guy it would just be interesting to see kind of then what happens with Jacker and. Is he, you know, because obviously we we now have this problem with Partey and with Kieran Tierney, where we, but essentially they're not necessarily reliable for sort of fifty games a season, or even less than that really. So then, is he coming in as sort of like cover, um, or is he coming in to take a first team spot? And therefore, I'd, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see kind of like how how, how that looks. I think his I think his fitness record, Tierney's fitness record. I think some, I saw someone tweet it is he's only missed like a couple of games for the last like two or three years. Okay. That will be interesting. So, and you know, there's also another, there's another sort of rumors backed up by some photographs that El Nenny is going to sign a contract extension. So, you know, it might be, be interesting to see what happens there. And and if we do t- sign Tielemans, will anyone go or will actually, you know, we need the extra numbers and, and will that be the kind of, if you add in Lakonga, will that be the unit that goes into the new season? Like, Early days. That that that'll be interesting. What another an interesting bit of news, Mize, that sort of leaked out in um, not say leaked out, but that was in the uh, Ornstein and James McNicholas kind of article was that apparently we we went in for a centre back in January, um, uh, a, a chap who who I'd never never heard of previously, who um, had signed for signed for Dortmund in the end. And I, I I can't remember his name now, but I I, I did write it down before, so I'm just going to check that name now. It was. Uh, Schlotterbeck. Oh, done well there, mate. I never heard of him before. Yeah, Schlotterbeck. Um, didn't I never heard of him. Left left side of centre half. Who apparently we tried to sign in January. The reason I found that interesting was because we did get rid of Pablo Mari. Uh, pretty much. I'm pretty sure it was January that we got rid of Mari. Right. Um, we let him go in Jan, and clearly because we thought, well, we've got enough numbers. Um, we we only need. We we clearly at that point decided that we were okay to go in with just three centre-backs for the rest of the season. We got rid of our left backup left-footed centre-half. You know, it's interesting that we went back in for another left-sided centre-half. And it, I guess what it makes me think now is in this, if we, if we look at the theme that Arteta and Edu seem to be trying to do very strategic things, i.e. they want to go for their strategic targets, if their targets aren't available, then they don't want to go for anyone at the moment it would suggest that if we did go for him, then actually we are in the market potentially for another left-sided centre-half. And that is someone who we want to bring into the squad at some point. And we thought we might be able to do it earlier in, in Jan. It's just that Mari wasn't 
you know, he, he was a stopgap. They didn't believe that he was the one that they wanted going forward. But it, it might be that we might go in for another centre-back. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. So I, I, I take it you've never heard of this player until today. No, yeah, yeah. So no. obviously, no idea. I mean, it sounds like, kind of like with, with. I mean, I'm comparing it to Tommy Asu, but it's basically a guy that probably most people haven't heard of. But clearly, uh, or not clearly, but he's potentially someone that we really, really wanted, as it were. Um, I mean, look, in terms of the centre-back situation, it's interesting. It is really interesting. I, I wonder if... Like, cause, because clearly, you know, it's, it's, I think it's basically what you said, you know, if you can't get your number one target, then we're not going to get anyone in at all. And that was obviously the kind of, um, that was kind of the play in January when it came to the striker as well, when it came to us being linked with, um, you know, Arthur, Douglas Louise in central midfield. Um, I think it's going to be, I, I don't know if that opens up the door possibly, because we were talking about Rob Holding before. And if Saliba is coming back and he's going to be kind of in that first team frame. And if we are, maybe looking at someone let's leave a play left left or right no, he's right isn't he right. yeah so yeah. if we are looking for someone and that would make sense then you know cover for gabriel as it were um then i don't know do we go into the season with potentially five center backs from having like three three since chambers and mari left like the last sort of six months or so that would be quite interesting i know that we've got a lot more games but one of them, at least one of them, is not going to get be getting many game time, much game time at all. Yeah, I agree. It will be interesting, um, and we should cover that in more detail when we do squad squad planning for next year. Um, the there wasn't so much uh, by way of other stories, I think, um, but one thing that was about our rivals, which I thought was kind of interesting, and I think it's an interesting timing with all this news, is uh, Tottenham have uh, allegedly had a capital injection of 150 million and i think when you go into the details of that uh you know on the face of it although it sounds like 150 million and and that 150 million is going to be used to uh invest in an on and off the pitch it's obviously it's nice as a tottenham fan if you imagine if you're a tottenham fan you've just found out you know you've just qualified for top four and your club are now saying you've got another 150 million that's come in look if you're going to be an Arsenal fan about it, you're going to look at the details and you're going to be a bit like kind of, you know, you're going to try and piss on the pot if you, a little bit. And, 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 you know, I think if you, the negative about it is it looks like it's just like a loan. So effectively they're taking out a loan for 150 million, which they will have to pay back at some point, which they're already in a lot of debt. Um, they have a bunch of players that are on loan to buys that, they are going to, you know, have to activate anyway. So they will pay some money there. And I guess a Tottenham fan will turn around and say, actually, we've got a number of players who are out on loan to buy. So maybe those things will net off one another. But, you know, let, let's be honest, like, let's be objective here. If if, we, if we've got a situation where we've got Antonio, if we've got Antonio Conte and Tottenham going into next season with Champions League football and the pull of Antonio Conte, let's be honest, the pull of Antonio Conte is bigger than Tottenham Hotspur. That's not me being an Arsenal fan. That's 